Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, Lord of the Rings fans are going bonkers, and not necessarily for the right reasons. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Season two of what should be the funniest show on TV is back this weekend on Netflix. We'll talk some Space Force. And last week, we told you about the new Prime show, Reacher. This week, I decided to revisit the Tom Cruise movie version, Jack Reacher. So during the Super Bowl, Amazon debuted the first teaser trailer for its new Lord of the Rings series, The Rings of Power. And a lot of fans of Middle Earth are kind of losing their minds because they are mad. First, here's a chunk of that trailer. Haven't you ever wondered what else is out there? There's wonders in this world beyond our wandering. So if you're unfamiliar with what they're doing with this TV show, it's set way before the events that we're familiar with from the primary Lord of the Rings books and the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, they're, they're taking stuff from the Cimmerillion and the appendices and what have you because J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a vast and extensive history for all of these characters and the lineage of all of the various races of beings in Middle-earth, and there is a lot of material out there. Um, I read The Cimmerillion, and it is one of the... I mean, it's it's not a straight-up novel. It's more like... Um, almost like a like a history book or something. It's what it's boring. It is boring. Like there there's interesting stuff in there, but the way that it's it's presented, it's one of the slowest reads. I'm actually surprised I, I got through it. I, I think I got through it just out of sheer stubbornness and almost even spite by the end. It's like, oh yeah, book, you want to challenge me to not read you? I'll finish you. It, anyway, that was dumb. But um the controversy. They have made the cast more diverse to reflect modern sensibilities. For example, there is a black elf. There is a black female dwarf. Maybe there are other changes like this in the cast. I don't know. We only saw a few seconds in the trailer, right? So if you just go to YouTube, for example, and type in the Rings of Power, you're going to see all kinds of angry videos and videos of people saying that Lord of the Rings fans are being racist. So, boy, I don't quite know exactly where I fall in this because wanting your characters to look like the characters you know doesn't necessarily, doesn't automatically make you a racist. Now, like, I haven't read all the commentary or watched all the videos, so I'm not going to say that they're not being racist, that some of them aren't, but, like, I watched one video from uh, a YouTuber who is black, who is, by his own accord, a massive Lord of the Rings fan. And even he doesn't approve of these changes. Um, because, like, look, it's similar to what we talked about last week. Jack Reacher fans, played by Tom Cruise in the movies. Great action star. And he did a good job. But in the TV show, he's played by a big, hulking Alan Richson, because that's how he looks in the books. And readers of the books were up in arms over the fact that Tom Cruise was cast in that role. John Constantine. I don't know if you remember the movie Constantine. 
But in that movie, he had blonde hair, and he's English in the comics. Pardon me. So in the in the comics, he had blonde hair, and he's English. In the movie, he's played by a black-haired Keanu Reeves with a North American accent. And uh, thank God he didn't try to do an English accent because his accents are no good. But in the case of Lord of the Rings, elves were described as fair-skinned. Dwarf women looked like dwarf men to the point it was tough to tell them apart. That's what Tolkien created. He was creating a mythology of sorts for England, and that was his world. Didn't make him a racist. Didn't mean he hated diversity. That's just the world he created all those years ago. So I've got mixed feelings about this, uh, about this whole topic, not just specifically Lord of the Rings. Like, uh, did you ever watch any of the Netflix series, the Marvel series Iron Fist, Jeff? No, I did not. I, that's, I skipped. I jumped out right before that came out. Okay. Well, you're not, not missing much there because the first season is one of the worst seasons of television I've ever watched. But the Iron Fist character, Danny Rand, is white. In the comic books and in the TV show, he was played by Finn Jones, who is white. But there was talk that maybe he should have been played by Louis Tan, who is half Chinese and half English. Uh, If you saw him in last year's Mortal Kombat movie, he played the main character, Cole Young. Tan was in the Iron Fist show uh, for an episode. He played this drunken master, and he's an actual martial artist. So he had way better screen presence than Jones. Uh, Tan did audition for the Iron Fist role, and it's my understanding he was considered, but ultimately they stuck to the character's roots. I wished they had gone with Tan, just because Finn Jones was not all that great in the role. And Tan was amazingly dynamic, and he's an actual martial artist, right? But... I didn't read Iron Fist comics, so I had no skin in the game, so to speak. Like if they did a Spider-Man movie and cast an Asian actor to be Peter Parker, I might be miffed at that. Not because I'm a racist, but because that's not Peter Parker. And they created a second Spider-Man, Miles Morales, who was a biracial teenager from a black father and Puerto Rican mother. And he's even had his own movie. uh, What was it called? This. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. On that same note, in the latest Spider-Man movies, Flash Thompson is played by Tony Revolori, who is of Guatemalan descent, and he's not a big guy. In the comics and previous movies, Flash was a big white guy who would bully Parker, so that casting change didn't bug me at all. And then there was talk of Idris Elba playing James Bond. I thought that would have been cool, but others might be up in arms over that thought. So I guess my point is I'm all over the place on this issue. I don't think it makes you racist just for being upset they've made these changes. But at the same time, like, these aren't characters we necessarily even really know all that well. So I kind of wonder if fans maybe just need to take a step back and at least wait for the show to come out before you start freaking out. Like, it's just the the outrage is uh, it's almost comical in a way. So if they're already upset about this, I imagine they're going to be much more upset when the show comes out because, you know, like the movies compared to the book is they're quite a bit different, you know. There's going to be much bigger changes made from the book to the screen. There just always is. It's the nature of making movies and making TV shows. So uh, uh there's there's some nerdy type fans that are just going to be mad no matter what happens. So if you want to Enjoy yourself, I guess. Just go to YouTube, type in the Rings of Power, watch the teaser trailer first, and then just you'll see video after video after video on both sides of the fence on that. 
Also, uh, something came out this week. I'm sure you got really excited when this popped up, Jeff. Yeah, it was the first trailer for the upcoming Jurassic World movie. I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion. Something that was real. Something that they could see and touch. Creation is an act of sheer will. Jurassic World Dominion comes out in June, and against my better judgment, I'm starting to get excited for it. The last movie, Fallen Kingdom, was easily the worst of the five Jurassic Park movies. That was the one that half took place in a mansion with the dinosaurs hanging out in the basement. I mean, what? And then, you know, once a movie series kind of bottoms out like that, it's hard for them to crawl back. And indeed, Dominion does look like it has some very silly stuff in it with the dinosaurs now on the mainland, roaming free amongst the humans. We can't keep her here forever. They find her, we're never going to see her again. We got to protect her. That's our job. Humans and dinosaurs can't coexist. We created an ecological disaster. Ellie Settler. Alan Grant. You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what? And there's the good news. Some of the humans involved are from the original Jurassic Park cast, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum. Glad to have them back, and it looks like they might actually be a big part of the movie along with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Again, Fallen Kingdom failed miserably in its use of Jeff Goldblum, who was in the first and last scene and didn't really have anything interesting to do. So, you know, even the bad Jurassic Park movies do have their fun moments, so Regardless of how this turns out, I'm starting to get excited for June 10th and Jurassic World Dominion. We're racing toward the extinction of our species. We not only lack dominion over nature, we're subordinate to it. Don't, Don't move. Bigger. Why do they always have to go bigger? It's always exciting when a new Jurassic Park uh, movie comes out, even if it doesn't always pay off. The anticipation is always there. Yeah, and I I didn't realize that Sam Neill and Laura Dern were coming back. I suspected Jeff Goldblum was because he popped up in that second one. Uh, But to see the three of them come back and in so many scenes together in this trailer, like you pointed out, looks like they're going to be a big part of this movie. And just seeing the dinosaurs roaming free, the way that they were like in our world and not just on some island in the middle of nowhere. Uh, That's kind of what we've always wondered. And I have a theory as to what's going to happen. I don't know. There's a quick shot of a BD Wong in the trailer and he was like uh, one of the scientists in the first movie, but by the fifth movie, he's revealed to be like a bad guy. So I, I imagine he would hold the key to 
I guess they're going to have to make all the dinosaurs extinct or something like that. Like, how are you supposed to end this? Because like they say, dinosaurs and humans can't coexist on the planet together. That's true. Yeah, they would just destroy us. So that's <laughs> exciting. In a moment, we have some Oscars stuff to discuss. And we'll also tell you what new movies are coming out this weekend. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And after three years without a host, the Academy Awards will have three hosts this year. Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes will host the Oscars on March 27th. Each one will host one hour of the three-hour ABC broadcast. The last time the Oscars had three hosts was in 1987 with Chevy Chase, Goldie Hawn, and Paul Hogan. Producer Will Packer says Hall, Schumer, and Sykes are three of the most dynamic, hilarious women with very different comedic styles. I'm Margie Zaraleta. First impression, while those are all talented people, this really does sound like the Academy Award, or the Academy itself, was turned down by a lot of other people because no way that these were the first choices. Amy Schumer, maybe five years ago, but not in 2022. And I get why people turn it down. It is a thankless job. In this day and age, it's pretty much guaranteed that the viewing audience will just dump on whoever does it, even if they do a fine job. That seems to be the going rate for hosting any award show at this point. Of course, there's also the fear now, after what happened happened to Kevin Hart a couple of years back, that if you accept the gig to host the Oscars, you open up your entire past to scrutiny, and most people in general would just rather avoid that. In the end, I think the risk outweighs the reward. There's just no reason for anyone to do it. Uh, and it's too bad because, I mean, like, if they got Tom Hanks to host it, and why not, that would generate some interest. Maybe not from younger folks, but I don't think they're ever going to get a whole lot of younger folks interested again at this point so no matter what they do so we do have three funny and talented comic actresses hosting and that'll be fine and Wanda Sykes actually is a pretty fearless comedian so she might be fun to watch she might say something crazy Amy Schooner as well so I, I it's it's a good crop of hosts but uh it's obviously not like the big superstars you might have hoped for or expected or even just the status quo of getting Jimmy Kimmel to do it again. That would have been fine as well. He's competent at that. So one thing the Academy is doing to drive interest in the show that they also announced this week is letting the fans have a say in an award to a degree. What movie fans love and what Oscar voters love are sometimes two very different things, but this year the fans will get their chance to be heard at the Oscars. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is using Twitter to let people pick their favorite film of 2021. How do you tell someone that you're Spider-Man? Movies like Spider-Man No Way Home, which the public voted for with their dollars, could have a good shot. The winner of the fan poll will be announced at this year's ceremony, though it won't actually get an Oscar. The Academy also asking fans to vote on their favorite scene from a 2021 film, and those will be played during the March 27th show. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. There was a talk a couple of years ago about having a popular Oscar award that got no traction from anyone. So I guess this is a compromise on that. It's meaningless. It's such a desperate pandering move that it'll probably do more harm to sully, do more to sully the prestige of the evening than bring in any new viewers. And they need viewers because the numbers have been just dropping for years and years for a show that used to run uh, second only to the Super Bowl. So who knows? We'll see how things work out when the Oscars are handed out March 27th. They're damned if they do, and they're damned if they don't. Yeah. And you're right. I like how you pointed out that if they can ever get young people to care about the Oscars, like I, I, I feel like this is a, the Oscars are a sinking ship because everything they try fails. Every the the entire show always gets criticized, and they they also though they kind of do it to themselves because they take themselves so seriously 
And they think they're they're just so self-important, right? Like they, when the Oscars happen, it just it it feels so pompous and detached from reality that it's kind of hard. I like I I get it. I understand why people are, have just sort of given up in large part on the Oscars. Yeah, and in their defense, they they don't want to just you know turn into the People's Choice Awards. They want it to be a prestigious thing and a and a little bit. Uh, snooty and upper crust or whatever, but I mean, they, they got to sort of meet people halfway if they want people to watch the show, especially in this day and age. It's not, you know, 1985 when there was only a handful of channels and only one thing on and, and on Oscar night, right? So they got a ton of competition now and they're not doing enough to sort of uh, beat out their little corner to get people to pay attention. In a moment, we're going to tell you about three shows or three movies out this weekend that will not be making their way to the Oscars next year. And JB is going to tee up the newest season of Space Force. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Three new movies out this weekend to tell you about. Starring, well, the first one stars Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. It's called Uncharted. It's the biggest treasure that's never been found. Five billion, easy. On February 18th, my family has been looking for this project for a very long time. So much blood. Tom Holland. Oh my God! You're about to get a proper Scottish welcome. What? Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg in Uncharted. We better get smaller. Or in your case, smaller. You're only like one inch taller than me. Thanks a little more than that, kid. Exclusively in movie theaters, February 18th. Uncharted is based on a popular series of video games, which debuted back in 2007 on the PlayStation 3, and uh, they've had a whole bunch of games since then. And wouldn't you know it, a movie based on a video game is not getting the best reviews. <laughs> it's almost impossible to make a movie that's based on video games that got good reviews. Uh, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm just checking Sonic the Hedgehog because there was a new Sonic the Hedgehog trailer that was debuted during the Super Bowl as well. That one actually had decent reviews, 63%. So by all accounts, that might be one of the most successful video games. But yes, it's a, it's basically an adventure film you heard. They're, they're looking for this treasure and they go off on this adventure and, you know, Antonio Banderas is the bad guy who's trying to stop them. I'm, I, it looks fun. And then it does have some breathtaking sequences. Like there's one where he's hanging on to the cargo that's dangling from the back of a plane and uh, a car almost falls on him in the air. Crazy stuff. So it looks like it could be fun. This also looks interesting because it stars Channing Tatum. He has been on a break from Hollywood for four years, but now he's back and he's not just the star. He's also the director of a movie called Dog. What? What is your deal, man? Come on. You're slobbering all over my seats. Maybe just take crazy down. Just like one notch. Just one notch, that's it. Maybe we could get along. And if we get along, maybe we could even have some fun and send Riley off right. Doesn't that sound nice, dog? I'm all you got. I'm it. It's just me. So it follows the adventures of two former army rangers, uh, Tatum being one, and Lulu, the Belgian Malinois, being the other one, and they're paired against their will 
on this road trip of a lifetime. Dog finds the unlikely duo traveling together in a 1984 Ford Bronco down the Pacific coast in hopes of making it to a fellow soldier's funeral. And I, hey, dog movies, there's always going to be a big market for dog movies. And they did have some fun in one of the trailers. In theaters everywhere, February 18th. Don't worry, the dog doesn't die. Read the PG-13. <laughs> I was thinking that while the clip was playing, I was like, oh, my God, is it, do I have to cry for another dead movie dog? I sure hope not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's What was that one with, um, was it Owen Wilson, Harvey and Marley me? Marley and me. Marley and yeah. me. Yeah. People still talk about that movie and how <laughs> and how sad it was. Uh, I remember my me and my dad went to see Valkyrie, the Tom Cruise uh, Hitler movie, and my mom and my sister went to see Marley and me. And ours ended first, and we're waiting in the lobby, and they came out of their theater, and everyone coming out of that theater was just bawling and red-eyed and <laughs> tears rolling down their faces. And me and my dad are like, oh, my God, what happened in that movie? That was crazy. <laughs> uh, and also, it's a fun fact. The year it came out, it made a Quentin Tarantino's top 10 list or movies of the year. Really? Which doesn't seem like a Tarantino movie, but I remember reading that and like, oh, that's something. Yeah, he dug it. It was a really good movie. Like it, it's it's sad, but it's a good it's a good yeah. movie. And it just uh, anyway, um, I should watch that movie again alone, so no one can see me bawling. A third movie out this weekend looks pretty cool. If you're into scary stuff, it's called The Cursed. We will all pay for the sins made by our elders. There's a manor house. They've sent for me regarding their son who's gone missing. They may be connected to what you've been looking for. So it's a werewolf movie. In rural 19th century France, a mysterious, possibly supernatural menace threatens this small village, and John McBride, who plays a pathologist, comes to town to investigate the danger and exercise some of his own demons in the process. But the trailer, I'd never even heard of this movie, but when I watched the trailer, I thought, that looks pretty creepy. So it is getting decent reviews, 77% at last report on Rotten Tomatoes, which is much better than most horror movies do fare. So a few options this weekend on the big screen. On the small screen, you could go even bigger, I suppose, by going to space. Yes, yeah, season two of Space Force out on Netflix this weekend. General Naird, it's been suggested that you are unstable, incompetent, fragile, eccentric, indecisive, and potentially treasonous. When you point a finger, you have three fingers pointed back at you, and your thumb stands erect, pointed towards the sky. I would like to hear a Space Force spirit on three. One, two, three. Space, Space Force, Force spirit. spirit. Ah. Space Force stars Steve Carell, John Malkovich, Ben Schwartz, Tawny Newsom, Diana Silver, Jimmy O. Yang, and Don Lake. And Carell plays a military general who, in season one, was tasked with leading the newly created Space Force, and it didn't go well. The series was created by Greg Daniels, who created the American version of The Office in 2005, and a lot of the behind-the-scenes people from that show are here as well, and of course Steve Carell, who starred in The Office. Space Force was inspired by the real-life creation of the Space Force in the United States, which was the butt of a lot of jokes when Donald Trump announced it a few years back. And like real life in the show, 
there is now a new administration in the White House. They never mention anyone's name when they talk about the president, but they do mention in season two, the new administration. And in the show, this new administration has decided that the Space Force doesn't need to have the gargantuan budget it began with, which, of course, causes some friction with those in the Space Force. There are also issues with a a space race and a Cold War scenario with China, Corel's ability to command the force, and all the fallout from last season. And, of course, there are more common workplace sitcom issues we've come to expect with potential romances, rivalries, things like that. The good news is it's better than season one. The kind of bad news is is that it's not a whole lot better than season one. It's interesting uh, because just by chance, I actually started rewatching The Office this past week, having finished my Seinfeld rewatch. Usually when I rewatch The Office, I start with season two. Season one was only six episodes, and they weren't very good, certainly not in comparison to season two, which is one of the best seasons of television of all time. The show you know, took a hiatus between seasons, and they did a significant overhaul to the tone of Steve Carell's character in The Office, Michael Scott, and the tone of the show overall. It was still a comedy, obviously, but they changed Michael Scott from a guy who was kind of a pathetic bully to a guy who was still pathetic and would occasionally do horrible things, but had it coming from a place where he was just desperate to be liked by everyone. And it made a huge difference. Suddenly, he was a guy you could have empathy for, which made his misdeeds a whole lot easier to swallow, and thusly, we all found them a lot funnier. It affected the whole show for the better, and The Office was off and running right from the first episode of Season 2. Now, a Space Force, I think a lot of people were hoping for something similar to happen as far as the tweaking between seasons was concerned. And they did do some of that. The weird gruff voice that Carell was affecting in season one has been softened at least a little bit. And it feels like they're trying to flesh out a few more of the characters and rounding off some of the rougher edges. John Malkovich's uh, persnickety scientist character is still persnickety, but it's played more for laughs. In the first season, you know, he'd blow a gasket and the tone would all of a sudden be a little too serious in a way where you'd kind of stare at it wide-eyed wondering if he was legitimately going to kill somebody. I can't say the blame should be laid on Malkovich, but he's an awfully good actor, and if he's supposed to act angry, he is going to give you something very angry. So they seem to have ironed that out somehow, where it's now funny, like you would expect, you know, in a comedy. I do wish, though, that there were still a few more laughs overall. They certainly have all the ingredients and the talent to make that happen, but as such as it is, it is, I think it is better than season two. I've watched the first four of the ten episodes so far, and and I'm liking it more than I like the first season, so there's that. I'll keep watching it, and if you if you really like the season one of Space Force, then you'll be thrilled. And uh, it's out there now. Season two available on Netflix this weekend. I can't believe it's already been almost uh, two years. May 29th, 2020, when season one debuted on Netflix. And uh, it, it, thanks for uh, this was actually a good reminder while you were going through your review here. I was starting to remember all these various scenes and things from the show, things that I liked and things that I hated. It's good to hear yeah. that they did some of those tweaks because I think that was one of my one of my criticisms. Like I hope that in the off season they kind of go back to the drawing board and try to smooth out a lot of this stuff because I found a lot of this stuff was just juvenile, like unnecessarily juvenile. I have no, I don't have a problem with juvenile comedy, but and uh, I did not like his character at all. Yeah, so that's a little bit better. And uh, I would mention again though that like there's still some f words in it. I don't think as many as in the first season, because I remember that first season, I spent the whole season like wondering, why is this rated R? Like, what, if, if they didn't swear, this could be, you know, maybe not fun for the whole family, but you could have it playing while your kids came into the room and you wouldn't have to like hit 
hit pause or whatever. So it still seems to be unnecessarily rated R because there aren't really any adult themes other than bad words. You know what I mean? So it's just that still to me seems a very strange decision they've made. In a moment, we are going to revisit Reacher, but not the TV show, the Tom Cruise version, and find out which one is better. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Last week, we told you about a new show on Prime that just kind of snuck up on us. We didn't even really know it was coming, but what a pleasant surprise. It's called Reacher. It's based on the books from Lee Child, the Jack Reacher books. He's He plays this former military investigator, and he's just this kind of drifter who goes across the country and finds all sorts of fun and trouble. It's it's a really fun, pulpy, super violent show. But in 2012, you might remember, the first there were two Jack Reacher movies, and the first one came out in 2012 starring Tom Cruise. This guy. He's the kind of cop. At least he used to be. He doesn't care about proof. He doesn't care about the law. He only cares about what's right. He knows what I did. You can't protect me. No one can. Jack Reacher's coming to get ya. So, I, I know I had seen one of these films, and I think it was this first one. Not sure if I've seen the sequel, which probably doesn't speak well to its quality if I did see it. And I would say that the movie version... It's just, it's forgettable. Like I've already forgotten how the movie ends. It's fun. Like I I enjoyed it, and I very much enjoyed Tom Cruise in the role. You think I'm a hero? I am not a hero. And if you're smart, that scares you. Because I have nothing to lose. But as you can tell from the that clip, Tom Cruise basically is just playing Tom Cruise action star. He's not he doesn't appear to make any attempt to be anything different than what we're used to seeing from Tom Cruise, which is probably why they cast him in the movie because Jack Reacher, well, popular to the readers and over they've sold a 100 million Jack Reacher books. Many of us had never heard of Jack Reacher, so I think it was probably important for them to go out and get a big-name actor like Cruz. Um, so, yeah, I wa- that's on Netflix. I want to watch the second one, but it's not available on any streamer, so you got to pay to rent it. And I, f- I feel like, well, even though it might only be $5, I could probably spend the $5 better on anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also the added fact that you know eventually that second one will be on one of your streamers. You just got to play the waiting game, right? 
Yeah, that's true, and I'm in no rush to watch it. But it was kind of neat to go. Like, I'm not saying, when I say it's forgettable, I'm not saying it was bad. It had some pretty nifty action, some good fight scenes. And Tom Cruise, I enjoy Tom Cruise in action films. Uh, I enjoy him in any film, really, to be quite frank. But uh, regardless of whatever, you know, he's he has going on in his personal life. But, um, yeah, I kind of happy I went back to it but if you, I'm, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like run out and rewatch this film uh, what do you think Jeff you're gonna once you finish Reacher are you gonna watch the movie I've seen the first one and like you I forget everything about it but I do remember that I thought it was hey that was pretty good like it's a movie to I wouldn't buy it I don't think I'd watch it a bunch of times but if I saw it on TV I'll stop and watch it for a while for sure and I would like to see that second one eventually, too. I do look every now and then when I think of it. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's streaming on anything I have. And when it's not, I don't worry about it too much. I'm like, ah, sooner or later it'll be there, so that's fine. So, yeah, I've seen them. I'm, I'm in no hurry. I'm, I'm kind of starting to get interested in the books, So We mentioned last week there's, I think, 27 of them. So <laughs> that's it. So, like, if you like those books, that'll last you a long time because there's a lot of them. They're probably not very long. I don't know. But I might be curious about that. It also makes me excited for the prospect of that TV show. If they've got 27 books to choose from, they won't, uh, you know, run into the problem of running out of stories anytime soon. So there's lots of good stuff in that Reacher universe, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Also, I just wanted to quickly mention this while we've got 30 seconds left here. And sorry, I, I fired this clip. I was trying to pull up just information on this movie, but it played the video right away. Uh, there's a movie coming out called Ambulance. It was a Super Bowl movie commercial. It debuts April 8th. It's a Michael Bay movie, which right away is, oh, Michael Bay. But <laughs> it looks awesome. It stars your, your friend Jake Gyllenhaal. Jeff Braun and um, yeah. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II and it looks amazing so just look it up uh, maybe we'll talk about it a bit more next week but that's all the time we've got I'm Brett he's Jeff we are the Couch Potatoes remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother